Welcome to our podcast, Doing It Right. This podcast reveals authentic stories from successful leaders doing it right. It's about their journey to become a leader, their choices, motivations, and lessons. In essence, how they built successful personal brands. Your host is Valerie Sokolowski, author of eight leadership books and nationally known as an authority on executive presence and personal branding. Let's get started. Here's Valerie. Well, welcome back. And before we start, you be sure right now, if you haven't subscribed, to hit that red button. And I appreciate that, as you, as you know. Well, I got an uh, email this morning just before I came to the studio, and it said, I'm on my way babies come at all hours. (laughs) Well, I'd say, Catherine Waldrop, um, you are like the title of the old show, This Is Your Life. And this is your life, isn't it? This is my life. This is true. (laughs) This is my life. Catherine, welcome to the show. Who would know that you had to deliver a baby? And so have you been up all night? Just kind of tell us what what went on? Most of it. Most of the night. Uh, I got home this morning at 3.30. Oh. And then I got two more calls after that. And then I got another call at 7.30 to see if I could come back in. And I said, no, I, I can't. Uh, I got to get dressed. And so one of my partners went in to deliver another baby. But we deliver babies at all hours. And actually, the baby I delivered at 3.30 this morning was the baby of a um, husband, um, his wife's baby, uh, their baby that I delivered uh, 27 years ago. So I delivered him 27 years ago. That tells you how long I've been doing this, Valerie. A long time. So you can tell I love my job. I love what I get to do. And I have a lot of longevity with these families. So uh, that, that has to just feel so, you know, so um, it, it feels great. I, I truly uh, I love delivering babies. It's been a great career. It still is a great career. Uh, it's been a great life. Um, so a lot of my patients, I I saw a patient, uh, oh, I guess, last week and I was leaving the room after I saw her just for uh, a postpartum visit. And I said to her, I, I was looking at her chart, we're going to electronic medical records now, but I still had her chart and it was very thick. And I said, oh my goodness, I said, do you realize I've been seeing you since you were in the seventh grade? No. And she said, Dr. Waldrop, I can do better than that. You delivered me. And I was like, oh, I forgot that point. Go back <laughs> so, to the record. Yeah, what was that? Back. Well, that wasn't in the record. I'd forgotten that I also <laughs> delivered her. So you can see that, you know, I have a, a long, a, a lot of longevity with a lot of my patients. And that's what makes it so fun. And I can't wait to tell the audience all of that beginning because, well, first of all, I wrote, I read in your resume, you've delivered 6,000, more than that Probably now, babies. That, babies. My yes. goodness. Yeah. All right, well, let me just set this up and tell your wonderfulness, and then I want to hear your journey because this story is phenomenal. Uh, A lot of firsts as a physician and mom of raising four kids. Uh, So let's just get started. I do want you to know these things. (laughs) First of all, um, you are being honored soon for one of your many accomplishments that you've been honored for. But the one that's coming up is the uh, being a recipient for the SMU Distinguished 
Alumni Award. And you've also, I just have to read these because I couldn't remember all of them. Listen to this. First female chief of staff at Medical City Dallas Hospital. First female chief of staff. First female, stop me if I miss anything. Chief resident at Parkland Hospital in Dallas. President of Ambulatory Surgery Center. Tell us about how you and Kim Vernon started the practice many years ago. Dr. Vernon and I uh, met each other in residency. Uh, At that time, there were very, very few female OB-GYNs and very few female OB-GYN residents. And uh, she was a resident at St. Paul. I was a resident at Parkland Hospital. And um, when we were finishing our residency, and you know, you've gone through medical school, you've gone through residency, you've worked all this time, you're getting out, and so you're looking for a job. And here we are, we're all excited, and um, come to find out, nobody wants to hire us. So we're like, oh, well, that's that's interesting. I can't imagine. Yeah. So uh, we'd both done well in our residency, and um, so since we weren't getting job offers. Uh, we thought, well, okay, we'll just start a practice. <laughs> and not that we really knew anything about starting a practice, but both of our husbands are attorneys. So they said, fine, we'll just help you start a practice. And uh, so we uh, got office space, uh, pretty much thanks to Kim's mother's uh, connections. Kim's mother is was Kim Dawson, and she had the modeling agency, so she had some connections, and we got all of 1,300 square feet at Medical City. Oh, that's small. That's very small, and that was our first office. We had this little office at Medical City, and we started our practice, and we uh, paid ourselves next to nothing because we had no concept if anybody come see us. And they came to see you? And they did come see us. Thank, thank the Lord, they did come see us. and. Um, we actually got very busy very quickly. And um, that was, we had one employee. Actually, no, we had two. We had a front office person, and then we had a nurse that we shared between the two of us. And that's the way we started our practice. And since then, we have obviously grown. And uh, (laughs) so uh, now there are five physicians in our practice. And we, uh, I think we have 20, five employees and wow it's a big uh, practice it's a big practice but anyway we have a nurse practitioner and and then we we work you work hard we work you work hard uh, so we've been there in this at medical city we've been there the uh, all this time so it's 37 years wow. that we've been there that's a long time mm-hmm. it's been a great place to practice medicine you know practicing medicine has to be hard obviously but add to that the fact that you we're raising four children and three children. I, three children. I'm three sorry, children. <laughs> three children, and uh, the challenge just of for many of our audience who are leaders, women leaders, and they are uh, raising a family as well. What was the most difficult thing for you? And for you answer that, you told me that both you and your partner had just had your first babies when you started the practice. So how did that, how did you do that? Well, um, I actually had my first child when I graduated from, um, right as I was graduating from medical school. And that was interesting because I was applying for residency that year 
and for internship and nobody would take me. Hmm. And even though I was um, at the top of the class, nobody would accept me into an internship program. Because? Because I was gonna have a new baby. So uh, that was a time, and that was kind of back in that time, in that era, where um, they were afraid that I would not be able to function well with a new baby. And I got several quotes like, taking you would be, um, I won't even say what they said, but it was not flattering. Not nice. Not nice. Um, nobody would accept me into a residency program. Hmm. So I laid out a year. Uh, and then Parkland took me into their residency program the next year. But that was a hard year for me because I was so used to just continuing on um, my uh, goals to mm -hmm. complete my uh, program and my training. Uh, and so I think I always felt like I had to work a little harder, be a little bit better uh, to actually prove that I could do it. Um, fortunately, my husband's always been extremely supportive and during those four years of internship and residency, uh, he brought my child, who then, you know, was a year old and through her, uh, those four years, and dinner every night that I was on call. Oh. And that gained him lots of brownie points. I bet. So no matter what happened in the subsequent years, I would always remember, you know, how faithful he was. And I didn't always even see him. Some nights I'd be operating or not able to see him. But he would always come down and bring dinner and bring her so that, you know, I just knew that he, you know, was trying to let me see her. And he had his career, too. And he had his career, too. And so, you know, we just made it work. And mm -hmm. sometimes I would get her up at four in the morning. I mean, she didn't know what time it was. <laughs> so I could see her bathe her dresser, feed her. And then, you know, she would take a nap later in the day. Uh, we always made sure that we had excellent child care. Mm -hmm. And we paid a premium for that just to try and, and make it work. And then um, in our fourth year of residency, both Dr. Vernon and I had another child. And that was kind of unheard of at that time that we were residents and having babies, but we both had, so we had newborns when we started this practice. And uh, it was challenging and there is no way around it. It was, it was frequently challenging, but we tried to structure the practice so that we could take care of our babies and, and have a practice. And, We've always tried to do that. So fast forward, they are now uh, in grade school or junior high, and you shared with me the funniest story about um, the most humbling kinds of times. Oh, my gosh. Tell the, us about There that. were many humbling times, that's for sure. And, and I think uh, you, you always feel some guilt. Um, you know, never leaves. It never guilt. leaves. As a mother, you always feel some guilt. That's that right there is important, I think, for moms to know because how often to both of us here, I've got to get over this guilt. I've got to get, mm -hmm. you know, I've got to get this behind me. Right. And it can. You always wonder, am I doing it right? You know, am I doing it right? Am I doing it right? Because, uh, you know, it's just, it's difficult. It's mm -hmm. difficult because I was always happy at work. I was always really happy at home. Uh, but you always feel like, am I am I giving enough sure. either place? Because you're always a little torn between. Little. And I, I knew I was called to be a physician. I loved what I was doing, but I also loved being a mother. 
Um, and you know, it's just hard to be both places and feel like you're doing it doing it well. And I think that there's just major trade-offs. So the story I told uh, Valerie earlier was uh, one day we had had a patient who had had an extremely difficult delivery and she actually ruptured her uterus. And we had um, given her lots of blood, we had uh, taken care of her, and eventually we'd gotten her to the intensive care unit and mm. saved her life. Mm. And I got home late that night, it was about eight o'clock, and knew everything was okay with the patient. Walked into my house at eight o'clock at night, and my my two kids at that time, who were, I think, um, maybe twelve and um, seven, uh, were watching some ER show on TV. And they looked up at me and they said, "Why are you so late? And where's dinner?" <laughs> and I just thought this is the most humbling moment. They could care less if I've saved a life. And then they were like. And this person on TV, mom, they're about to die. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, because they don't see me as a doctor. They just see me as mom. You know, all I am at that point is mom, right? right. You're just mom. And, and you're late for dinner. And we don't have any food. So where's dinner? You know, and so it's very humbling always to That's be a mother, so right? Yeah. You know, and, and I think that there was this Cosmopolitan article done on, on our family and the title of it was Having It All. As if you can I have it all. I was just going to say, as if you can. And the truth is, I don't think you really can have it all. I mm -hmm. mean, you can try really hard, but you're going to always feel like that you're sacrificing something at yeah. some points. Uh, my daughter always wished for me to be home more. Uh, my boys... You know, I don't think that really mattered as much to them. I had David, yeah, husband. I had David. I had a very supportive husband. Uh, Dr. Vernon says was very supportive. Um, actually, uh, two of the other females that I practice with now, both of their husbands are attorneys, too. <laughs> so a pattern there. We got a pattern. Uh, and then the other um, uh, associate in our practice now, her husband's a, a cardiologist. But... I mean, you have to have a very supportive spouse mm -hmm. because you're working so much. So somebody has to be able to flex. And and we try to make it so that we in, in our practice flex, too. Sure. So we cover for each other, just like this morning. Like I this had morning. to call somebody and say, can you cover this delivery for me? I've got someplace to be. So we cover for each other a lot. Uh, and we appreciate when, you know, when we need help. We ask for help. That's collaboration. It is. It's a partnership. So, Dr. Waldrop, I, I am so in tune with the um, the amount of angst and dedication and um, the hours that you and other physicians have been working during this COVID time. And if I can go there for just a minute. What I want to ask you about is what have you had to do for yourself to, to be there for the patients when it's such a difficult time with the masks and all of that? How are you doing it? Just personally give us an idea. Uh, COVID has been difficult because so many of the patients are struggling so much. 
we have had a lot of patients that are very depressed, um, mm. patients who have lost jobs, who have lost family members, whose oh. husbands are furloughed or they're furloughed, or else they're trying to work from home and their husbands are trying to work from home and they've got small children that are trying to deal with. So, you know, you've got two people trying to work from home and then they've got little toddlers running around and they're trying to take care of them and they can't have childcare coming in the house. I mean, just difficult situations are, you know, they've got family members that have been in the hospital but they can't go see them or that have died and they can't go see them and they feel the guilt from that. Mm -hmm. There's all sorts of, you know, difficult situations. So I pray a lot, Valerie. Mm, I pray a lot. And I pray with my patients. You know, I just, mm. I pray. Because I can't do it any other way. I pray for I ever get out of bed in the morning, and I pray uh, for my patients and with my patients. Because I don't have any other answers. I don't have good answers. Um, you know, we can, we can give patients medication. We can give them love and support. But um, the best thing we can give them is, you know, faith and prayer and hope for the hope. future and that's that's the best thing i can give them because I, I don't have a lot of good answers times okay. are hard times and are times hard. are really hard for a lot of our patients and for me personally i just know that when i wear a mask all day mm-hmm. by the end of the day i'm more fatigued oh i, I think it's imagine. hard to wear a mask all day you know it's just like you're breathing your own mm-hmm. Uh, air all day mm-hmm. and, and it gets old mm-hmm. so you know but that's that's kind of trivial in the big scope the big of picture. what a lot of patients are dealing with so we try and be there for them as much as we possibly can that's that's and, and we've been there every day we've not not missed a, a day or a beat because we we really can't no no well and to be able to have a doctor personally speaking who can almost be a counselor at the same time because we have to talk to someone. Yeah, I think we do as much counseling as we do. I bet. Gynecology. And and then, you know, our obstetrical patients are afraid. You know, what's it going to look like when I come into the hospital? Is my husband going to get to be there with me? Am I going to, you know, am I going to get COVID? Am I, you know, what's what's going to happen? I mean, it's been you know, there's been a lot of fear generated. Mm-hmm. So we try and keep everybody as calm as possible. So would you say to people um, that, yes, we still should be wearing masks? Yes, we should still be wearing masks. Okay. Please. I get that question please asked a lot. Please wear your mask and wash please your hands wear your and mask. wear your mask and socially distance. Yes, please For do. sure. For sure. What makes you laugh? <laughs> my husband what makes me laugh is my husband yes my husband uh and you know my children are a great source of joy oh my gosh and then i just laugh in the office all day they can say they can hear me they know when i'm there because i'm always laughing i just i you know that's a stress reliever fun. yeah i just have fun i have fun at work and then i have fun my husband's hysterical he makes me laugh all the time He's a great source of joy. Well, yeah. he told some funny stories when I was meeting with you prior to the show. What's a, Is there a funny thing that has happened in your career as a doctor that you're willing to share? Oh, my gosh. There are so many funny things that happen. You know, Tell us something. So many of my own just 
bloopers. Of, okay. <laughs> you know, I I blooper well. Do yes. you? Yeah, I, That's I, good. I, I blooper with the best of them. Yes, I. I can frequently say things that I'm like, oh my gosh, why did I say that? <laughs> or why did I do that? Um, I think, uh, you know, one of probably the funnier things, um, oh, I can think of several, but one one time I was delivering a baby and I uh, had asked the patient to push and she'd been pushing forever and uh, over two hours. Mm-hmm. And I finally said, well, I think, you know, we're just going to have to pull this baby out because the heartbeat was going down. And so I turned around to get some forceps. And as I turned back around, she had decided to give one more expulsive push. And as she gave this expulsive push, here comes the baby flying out (laughs) as I've got forceps in my hand with a lot of amniotic fluid. And as I go to catch the baby, I slip on the amniotic fluid and I'm catching the baby as I go to the floor. So I caught the baby as before, thankfully it landed on the floor, but I'm on the floor. So the baby and I are both going down to the floor and the husband looks and he says, are y'all okay down there? Yes, we're great. It's all good. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, I'm on the floor. Yeah, that was one of my better moments. Great, and I love your I, laugh. I just, you know, what can you do? Like, you catch the, the baby. It was, yeah, it was one of my finer moments. <laughs> so, well, you know, <laughs> thank you for sharing that. That's a great one, and laughing is good. I want to know what is your brand differentiator. You know, I do a lot of consulting in in one's uh, executive and leadership brand, and in that process, we talk about well, what makes you different. So. What makes you different? I would say what makes me and and probably really our practice different, but we're very personal. You know, uh, we go in and try and deliver all of our own patients. It is not an eight to five job for us. Mm -mm. So if you're my patient and I am not on call, but you're delivering your baby and it's, I'm going to come in and try and deliver your baby. And it doesn't matter if it's the weekend or when it is. Um, I'm going to try and be there for you. Well, that's... And that's, you know, I don't leave at 5 o'clock. And that's a big differentiator. Uh, and I, you know, like, I call patients, you know, during the weekend. I call patients with my cell phone. I don't hide my cell phone number. A lot of my patients have my cell phone number. I think, you know, it's, I, I know my patients, I love my patients, and my patients, a lot of them, you know, I had one yesterday come in and say she started crying on the way to the office because her husband's dying, and she was thinking about me, and she was thinking how I'm her friend. Oh. And, I, and I, you know, and I don't see her really outside of the office, but she feels that connection with me like I'm her personal friend. And that means the world to me. Absolutely. I'm more than just her doctor. I'm her friend. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's what I want to be. I I don't want to just be somebody that they come in and just see. And it's like an assembly line. I am not an assembly line. I I want that human connection with people Mm -hmm. because if it's it's more to me than just being an assembly line person. It's, It's not that. This is... 
you know, I feel very responsible for taking care of people and their lives and their families. And that's what I love about what I get to do. And so I feel like it's my calling. I get to pour into people's mm -hmm. lives. And, you know, that's the joy I get back is serving those people. Well, Catherine, that obviously is from my personal experience and those of many of my friends and colleagues. That's unusual today. That's just unusual mm -hmm. when we have the uh, phone to be able to, to be turned off and we have uh, pick up the phone and call and you get a voicemail and if you want to make an appointment, blah, 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 blah. So that is incredible and you said it all. It's your calling and it certainly is playing out to be so. The other thing on an interesting note is when we talked about um, that you're a perfectionist <laughs> and something about my patients have perfect scars. Yes. <laughs> All like, right. Uh, What's that about? Oh, I like fixing things. Okay. So I, I think, you know, part of what I really love about, you know, my job is I like making everything just look perfect. And so, you know, Stitching, telling, you mean? Yeah, I was telling Valerie, I, I, I have a little artistic side to me. So when I was growing up, I painted and I learned to sew. And so that's uh, served me well. So I, uh, when I am uh, sewing an incision or when I'm doing uh, pelvic surgery or whatever, I want to make everything look just perfect. I want to put everything back right just where it belongs. I like doing pelvic surgery, and I, I like fixing things so everything looks perfect. I like for the scar to be perfect. And, <laughs> and patients will tell me that, you know, and the nurses say, that scar is just perfect. Just perfect. And I want it to be perfect. And you can't take a picture and put it up on the wall and say, look what I did. Yeah, but, I like, but I'll say sometimes to the patient, your scars are perfect. And they are. It looks great. And your patients appreciate yeah, like, I would it appreciate that. Looks great. Even if I do say so oh myself. Oh, my gosh. They'll, they'll kid me. Like, you like your scars? I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> they look great. <laughs> looks great. Oh, you know, these little things, I don't get to ask doctors. That's why I wanted to have her on the show because I know her well and I know that all of these things are are such a differentiator for her um, to share just about real things about real doctors and how they serve us so well I um, what do you like to do just for the fun of it Catherine uh, I love being with my family my family is so important to me and they're so grown they're grown and I've got four grandchildren that are super fun so uh, we have great family times. We have great family trips. Uh, the whole family frequently, like pretty much once a year, goes on a trip together, which is always super fun. Uh, grandkids included. Grandkids included. I go to the kids' sports games still. And as the children were growing up, we all went to their sports events, traveled to their sporting things. And so... Uh, just being with the family, I think, is probably one of the more fun things I do. And then um, other than that, um, you know, we're very involved with our church. I have a Bible study that I do. Um, and then we're on several different uh, committees with Young Life, uh, Council for Life. So we're involved 
we have a lot of different irons in the fire. All that, all the community activities that you've been involved in. Well, I know you love to cook. So David said you are a gourmet cook. Um, If you could invite three people to dinner at your home, Mm -hmm. who would they be and what would you cook? Oh, my goodness, Valerie. Let's see. Include me. Would you include me? I'd love to include you. (laughs) I like to have fun people. Okay. Okay. If I'm going to invite somebody to dinner, I want them to be fun. Um, And I want them to enjoy food. they got to be people. So you really do like to cook. Oh, yeah. I'd probably invite Anna Garten. Ah. She's got to be fun. Did you you see her on tour? I did. I went to see Anna Garten on tour. I love Anna Garten. I love her cookbooks. Mm-hmm. So I would probably invite Anna Garten because, I mean, she just seems fun. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? I think so. Okay, so you can come and we'll have Anna. Okay, one more. <laughs> and then I have a really good friend who lives in Austin. Um, she used to be the CEO at Medical City, uh-huh. and we got to be good friends then. And her name's Pam. And so I'd invite Pam because Pam loves to cook too. And Pam and I have a ball when we get in the kitchen and cook together. Ah. So I would have Ina and Pam and myself and you, and the four of us could get in the kitchen. We'd all cook together. Because oh, I, I think it's more fun when people cook together. Mm-hmm. You know, So if you've got good people that like to cook together. And they can cook. And they can cook. And so we'd all get in there and cook together. And then we'd all sit down and eat together and we'd have a ball. And what would, you, what would we cook oh. for Ina? I mean, Ina Garden, what, what, what are you going to cook for her? Whatever I don't want to cook. Uh huh. Yeah, we just okay. make up a menu and just all get in there and cook. Oh, I think that sounds fun. Let's call. Would you call Ina? <laughs> Let's call Ina. Maybe call I can get. Maybe cook. I can get Ina on the Fox News. Yeah, yesterday with, I was talking to one of my patients, and she liked to cook too. And so we were sharing Ina recipes. I'm like, oh, you got to make this salmon recipe that ah. Ina. And I pulled up on my phone and gave it to her. Make this salmon recipe that Ina makes. This is a good. This is a good commercial <laughs> for Ina. We need to send it to her, don't you think? There you go. <laughs> is there one thing that um, you would at this stage of your life that you would want to uh, change or improve? Oh, no. I don't look back. That's good. I really don't look back. That's good. I'm just always looking forward like, okay, you know, what can I do next? What's the next What's the next opportunity? Mm-hmm. Uh, as my husband says, I have a very short memory. Mm. So, In a good way. In a good way. I mean, I don't ever... Uh, you know, he says that's why our marriage has lasted so long because I don't look back at the things that have happened in the past. Yeah. I just look forward to, you know, what's the next thing that I can do? What's the next thing I can learn? Mm-hmm. Uh, I was telling you earlier when the robot came around, I learned how to use the robot. Um, I like to stay up to date on what's new in surgery, what the new technology is. Uh, what is it? Uh, the robot right now is probably the newest thing, but we do all of our surgery minimally invasively. So whether it's laparoscopically or minimally invasively, right now, uh, you know, I have a great time seeing what my children are doing. Um, my daughter has an interior design firm that she's just blown out of the water. Uh, my son just finished with the military, and it's so fun because he's come back. Medical City as a Thank surgeon. Goodness, as and, a surgeon. Yeah, yeah, so he and I get to operate together occasionally. That's just oh. great fun. I love that. And then uh, my other son 
is an entrepreneur. He started a business. So it's just fun to see all the different things they're doing, mm -hmm. get to see them starting their careers. I think we're all entrepreneurs in our family. We've all started businesses. Like yeah, it. we've all started things. It's great to see how everybody's careers are going. So it's fun, you know, it's just fun. And then, um, you know, just what's the next chapter? What, what's gonna happen next? You know, the next chapter, I wanna tag onto that before I let you go because so many people in this difficult time of COVID are looking back, Catherine, and we hear too often, uh, well, you know, I can't go out like I used to. I can't do the, all the I can'ts. And all that does is just continue to push our own emotional um, well-being mm -hmm. down. Yeah. So uh, thank you for saying that, and I would, I would totally agree with that, too. I always ask, as you know, guests to leave with lessons learned, and you've mentioned a couple, but I want to uh, pull up a couple more. You did say that it's a calling, that you felt that God called you to do this, and there's no doubt about that, and the, and the praying for your own strength and for the st strength and hope of others. Um, we talked a little bit about not being able to have it all. Um, right? It's hard. And then you said a couple of other things that I want to share with the audience because I think they're wisdom. One is always be willing to give 110. And the other one is happy people are those who serve other people. Do you want to elaborate on either of those or any of those? Oh, I just think that, you know, when I get a little down or a little depressed, and oh, I, and you do, huh? I do. Uh -huh. I do. When I start feeling a little sorry for myself, mm -hmm. and I've done this with my children. I know one time uh, my youngest son lost a tennis tournament badly, and I'm like, okay, well, we're just going to go do something for somebody else. And so we went home, and we made baskets for all his teachers of food and goodies and took them to all his teachers. I'm like, if you're feeling sorry for yourself, we're just going to go do something for somebody else. I just don't believe in feeling sorry for yourself. I never have. And my, my daughter would say, you get about a three-minute pity party at our house, and that's it. Mm -hmm. Pity parties are not a thing. So if I start feeling a little down or a little sorry for myself in any realm, I'll give myself a couple of minutes usually. <laughs> that's about it. And then, I'm like, on. and I'm like, okay, what can I do to make somebody else feel good? Mm -hmm. You know? Who's who is, you know, worse off? And, and there's then, always someone. And there's always a zillion people. And then I will either pick up the phone and call them. I will go bake cookies for them. I will make them a dinner. I will do something for somebody else. Mm -hmm. I just think happy people are people that are serving other people. That's kind of my motto, and that's what I've tried to instill in my children. Go do something for somebody else. Do not sit around and feel sorry for yourself. You're, that does not do anybody any good. And then. You know, the 110%, I mean, I think, you know, not only do people want a doctor that's going to be personable, but people want a very competent doctor. So yes. I, you know, I have always tried to be up on the latest, to be as competent as possible, to know to know medicine well. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't, I'm not going to just be there and be your good friend. You want me to be competent at what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And I just think, you know, like in residency, I always felt like I had to kind of go above and beyond. 
I think because you were a woman, do you think? I think partly because I was a woman, mm-hmm. but I just think that's you know what I'm called to do. If you're going to do something, you need to do it the very best you can possibly do it, and be the very best you can possibly be at it. That's and competency. That's competency, and that's why you are yeah, successful. Your husband said something. Uh, I went over and interviewed at her house, and David said, "If I had to give you as a husband." Uh, the one word I would share about my wife, Catherine, is she's the most caring person I know, and you are. So, Thank Catherine, you. You. what a joy to have you today. And Thank you. Especially, what a joy for me. It's been so fun. <laughs> and, and, you, you know, to put on a little makeup and come in, and I just delivered a baby, and I have to go back, and I that's a... That's the life. This is your Thank life, you. isn't it? This is my life, and I love it. I love my life. I've got a great life. I'm blessed. You are blessed. I'm so blessed. And it didn't Thank come you. easy. Thank you. And for those of you who want to know about her practice, you can go on her website, which is Vernon and Waldrop, OBGYN uh, Associates. It's on the website, and we'll have it up, as you can see, on the screen now. What a joy. As I close, I do want to say to my audience, as I always do, you know that part of my uh, life uh, work is in executive coaching and leadership development. I'd love to have any of you who are interested in either of those things, both of those things, just send me an email, Valerie at ValerieAndCompany.com. That's my calling as well as this is, of course. And so for now, thanks for staying with us, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. To receive Valerie's voice, free monthly leadership tips, and to learn more about her leadership programs and coaching, visit her website, ValerieAndCompany.com. Next week, we'll be here again to inspire, engage, and equip you with teachable points of view from successful leaders who have been doing it right. Until then, lead authentically.